Greetings and salutations, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Risk and Reels, where we talk about movies and, time permitted, maybe we'll talk about some cybersecurity stuff. I am joined today by my old friend, Jason Street. Uh, I don't know, Jason, if you remember, we met at DEF CON 15. You were one of the first speakers that I had the opportunity to goon back at the Riviera, bullying uh, through the crowds, and you were just so kind and welcoming, and even, I was a little older at that point, and I still, I felt very intimidated being there, and you were just so awesome. Uh, I wish we were together so you could give me one of your famous awkward hugs. Uh, unfortunately, we'll have to kind of do them virtually, but uh, that, that is one of, your, one of your famous things, and I love those. Um, so, Jason, I've heard of Jason as an OG pen tester. Jason's been doing this for a long time. Uh, he is currently the chief chaos officer for TrueSec, where he does a lot of work around awareness and, and helping people understand like what's good and, and what's not good. Um, so welcome, Jason. How are you? I'm doing great. It's like, uh, yeah, those, DEF CON times are always the best. And it's like, and, and I, I gave you a virtual uh, awkward hug. Uh, uh, so it's like, so there you go. It's like, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was always great seeing you too. It's like, it's always, that's one thing I like about DEF CON is being able to not just go there and to learn, but you're also like, to me, that's my family reunion. That's like where I get to see uh, people that I, I don't get to see, uh, except for maybe once or two or three times a year. So it's like, I, that's what it means to me when I'm there. So it's always great to see you. And it's great to see you even virtually here. So Indeed, go. indeed. So, all right, good, man. Uh, so we're going to start off talking about movies and, and we'll see where that goes. So I'm going to hit you with a question. Okay. Who is the best movie villain ever? The best movie villain ever. That is a good question because it's like referring to it's like, you know, because we always want to go like with the superhero villains. But those aren't really the villains. It's like those are like the caricatures of what evil represents, and like you know, it's like it's not really a villain. It's like it's more of a as a as a character for a story. Uh, I think some of the the most evilest ones I've seen were like uh, like the Wolf of Wall Street, where it's like you try to see that kind of like grandiose, where they're trying to make themselves seem like better, but it's like you are hurting others and it's like, and you are, are doing bad and you're showing how much you profit off of that. And it's like, and the worst part is that it's, and the thing that it does show is how seductive being the villain is. It's like when you see everybody wants to like quote Scarface, it's like, and that was a cautionary tale. He was a horrible person. And he deserved to die. It's like, you know, it's like you see these people that, that we like to like the Godfather. It's like they were a criminal organization that was like, you know, spread misery and, and, and heartache, uh, whoever they touched. It's like so um, there are a lot of villains, uh, but it's the ones that we are the most insidious, I think, are going to be uh, those kind of, of people that we like. We, we want to turn into the hero. Uh, I think one of the worst ones was uh, the movie with the the Joker, where they try to turn him into the hero or a sob story. It's like, no, it's like you're a bad person and you should feel bad. Uh, it's like so. Uh, yeah, I'm very. Uh, it's I have a very weird inkling on on those kind of things. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite ones to dunk on is uh, Breaking Bad, 
is because it's a whole series of why isn't this guy dead yet? He's a horrible person and he tries to justify all this stuff, but it's just, he's evil. You know, I love, I love that take. I think you're right. I think most people sort of are inclined to go for the traditional villain. Uh, and the interesting thing about Wolf of Wall Street, I have a friend down here in Southern Florida that actually worked for, um, for Jordan Belfort. Right. And, um, he made he made a ton of money and he went to jail and he lost his license and when he talks about it he still talks about it kind of fondly yes. right and and it's he was crazy alive. yeah i that's i like that take that's interesting i um i also tend to be drawn to i don't think anyone is sort of pure right you know i think you look right. at like lord of the rings everyone's kind of good or bad but that's not real life Right? right. I think in real life, everybody has certain things. And I think also, you know, um, the Breaking Bad example, I think, is is great because he's an evil, evil dude who you like him sometimes. Right. And the, the Jordan Belfort character, Wolf of Wall Street, like you like him sometimes. And I think that's so much more like what real life what what real life is. Um, and, I, and I the thing I loved about the Joker, you mentioned that is you kind of see the transition, right? Where he starts off as just a sick, unhappy, miserable person. And over time, people just play on that and it causes him to end up being yeah. that kind of evil, evil, evil thing. And I think, um, you know, I think uh, Breaking Bad similar, right? He starts off, his goal at the beginning is to take care of his family. And right. then at the very end, when Skyler pins him down, he admits it. He's like, you know what? I love it because I'm good at it. Right. Yeah, and I think and, and that's, that's so. That that's one of the big points with me is that it's it shows the seductive side, and it's and it doesn't show. Those are all failings of people. It's like where they failed. It's like their 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 better nature, and they failed society, and they failed others. It's like by going and doing those bad things. Because we don't like to realize that sometimes doing the right thing is hard. It's like going on the right path is difficult. It's like, and, and there's like so many different uh, stories out there that are better able to express that story where it's like, you know, this is what, uh, like the Iron Giant, the Iron Giant. It's like, you know, because it's like, that was a great movie because of the fact that it's like, the giant could have left. It's like he could have uh, freed himself. He could have saved himself. But at the last minute, he decided to actually sacrifice himself for someone else. It's like we we look at those kind of things. And in the Lord of the Rings, it's like you look at it. It's like and you think that this is who the hero is. But the hero was Sam. The hero was Samwise. I mean, also, it was the effing eagles that they should have gotten at the very beginning. And, you know, it, it was like, said, like three hours of the movie. But still, it's like Sam was the hero because he wasn't fated to be the hero. He wasn't fated to have the burden. But he was the one that was there to keep that person that had that burden on and support them and keep them on their path and keep them going toward good. Kept them toward uh, not failing. Kept them from weakening. And it's like, and that was the hard part. It's like, and that was where no one's going to be singing the stories of Sam. It's like, it's going to be Frodo, but he was the one that actually put that through there. And so 
It's like, I, I think we don't, and I, maybe I get, I, I get very, when you catch me in the moment, it's like, you know, people always think it's good. It's like, I, I don't see black and white. I don't see, I understand the nuances. And it's like, so it's like, I'm, I'm always about the nuance of like actually what's being told or what's being said under the surface, not just what is the picture supposed to be painted. Yeah, I love that. And I think that Lord of the Rings is a great example. I, you know, I, I don't get me wrong. I love those movies and I read, the, I've read those books Wow, probably 20 times already. But the one issue I always have is the morality is so clear, right? Everyone right. is very clearly a good person or a bad person. And that's just right. not the real world. And I, I, I love that take on it. And, um, and I think actually that's a great transition. Let's talk some cyber, right? right. So um, the word hacker, right, is, is it, it's a, it's a, I think it's a misused word, right? When, you know, every year at DEF CON, I would always get my kids t-shirts and, you know, people would say, oh, what's that? And my daughter would say, oh, it's a hacker conference and my dad works there. And um, people go, oh, hackers, they're bad. And she said, no, hackers are not bad. Hackers are people who push boundaries and try to get things to do things that they were not created for, right? Now, right. to be fair, I put those words in her mouth. She At seven, eight years old, right. she was not coming up with that. But I think that's a great example, right? So you spent a lot of time being a pen tester and you have some great stories and I definitely want to hear hear some of those. I've heard some already, but let's, you know, let the audience in. But I think like that's a great example, right? You could have taken your skills and done bad with them, right? You could have done evil. You could have been a thief. You could have been a criminal. And we know there's a lot of money out there for people that have chosen that, but you didn't pick that path, right? You You chose the path. Well, actually, tell me why you chose the path. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Why? Why do you do what you do? Um, that that's a lot. It's like so. Buckle up, because it's like because the first thing we're going to address is is the word hacker. It's like because I am very passionate about any time that there's like even a window of opportunity, a sliver just cracked open to to explain that I'm going to jump in, because one of the key things people need to understand is. Everyone on this planet since the beginning of time has been a hacker. One of the biggest misconceptions that I've ever heard is that for some reason, hackers have to have to be dealing with computers. Computers have nothing to do with being a hacker. Zero. Zero. To do. Ada Lovelace uh, was a hacker. First computer programmer. Leonardo da Vinci, uber hacker. The guy created scuba gear, created a plane, Tesla, electricity from the ground, hacker. It's like, so, I mean, uh, those are like the worst. And bringing it back to the movies for a second, one of the best Uber hackers out there, Hedley Lamar. And one of the worst insults you can give Hedley Lamar is by calling her an actress first. Like her beauty and her her refinement and her outer shell has something to do with why she was such an amazing person. She is the reason why we have Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. She helped the submarines and the development of RF and stuff back in, in World War II. And to call her an actress first is doing a disservice to who she, her true nature is and, and the real beauty of her mind and, and the, the things that she was able to create uh, for the world. So that's a hacker. It's like, Hackers, the reason why everybody was born a hacker is because if you've ever been around a three-year-old, because trust me, when you were three, you were the same way, 
And what is defined by a three-year-old? Why? Why? Why is the sky blue? Why does that do that? Who is that? Why do they do that? What's going on there? That constant asking questions, that constant, and then the imagination and the curiosity and the passion to follow through with it. That, in its essence, is just what a hacker is. Curiosity, passion, and inspiration. That's all it is. It's like imagination. It's like, that's what those things are. And so that is what being a hacker is. It has nothing to do with computers. But as um, as it's gone over and it's like through time, it, the words change and it's easier now to say hackers in the easy ways to call it criminals, which is ridiculous because, no, those are criminals committing cyber crime. If I get mugged by a guy with a gun, I don't automatically assume that he's an NRA member. I don't automatically assume that he's a uh, Second Amendment activist or a gunsmith who loaded his own bullets and, you know, crafted his own weapon. No. He is a criminal using a tool to commit a crime. Computers make it very easy to commit crime. And so these idiots are downloading uh, malware programs. They're downloading ransomware programs. They're calling tech support from the criminal gangs to figure out how to operate it. They're launching these attacks and they're getting paid. And you want to call that hacking? No, they're criminals and they don't even understand Half of them don't even understand the programs they're using. They just are using a tool to commit a crime. And it's like, and to call them a hacker is doing a disservice once again to the name because they're just criminals. They don't deserve to have the, the name hacker associated with them. Uh, so uh, that was my whole rant on, on being a hacker. And you said something else at the second part, but I got lost on, on the whole thing. <laughs> you know what? I, I love that take though, because really it's about the curiosity, right? It's it's Yes. How how can I figure stuff out? I, I remember when I was consulting years ago and um, I went to a developer and I said, well, so I was looking at your code and you're not doing bounds checking. What if someone tries to shove a thousand times much as much data in there as you want? And here's what the developer said. Well, why would anybody do that? And I said, exactly. to see what would happen. Don't you want to know what's going to happen? And I think a lot of people don't have that. So I, I love that. And I love the passion that, that you have behind it. I think that's why you and I have always kind of gotten along is, is a, a love for, for what we do. And, um, you know, it, it, it changes just all the time. So, so let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, you know, I know you've done a ton of penetration testing. Uh, I know you have been a go-to. I know you, you wrote that great book, uh, a number of years ago and we'll actually, um, we'll put a link up to the book. Maybe we'll get you some, some books sold through, uh, through Amazon there. Um, so what, tell me some stories, obviously, you know, within reason, right? Cause you, you don't want to breach any confidentiality agreements, but Tell tell the audience some of the cool things you've seen or run into, or maybe some of the challenges that you've hacked through to to kind of get people to understand. Hey, this this stuff's not working. Right. I think um, there, there there's a lot of different stories I'm trying to uh, trying to share. I think one of the most unusual ones. It's like to show you some of the links someone will go to when people because we don't understand a lot of times where it's like. Um, Regular, you know, humans, it's like, you know, it's like, the, you know, I just call them humans. It's like, you know, users, they go and they see things and they're like, uh, I was robbing a state treasury once and it was like their headquarters were heavily fortified. Very well done. But they had an office that was 50 miles away 
that was the connection was a direct line into their internal network. So in other words, I could be sitting in that office and just be right beside the treasurer no matter what. It's like it doesn't. But because of the fact that there was 50 miles between, they thought that site was didn't need to be as secure as the, the headquarters. And so I was like, hey, why would I try to break into your headquarters when I could go easily break into that little office right there? And you're like, no, you wouldn't be able to do that. They gave me the narrowest of scopes. I got in. It's like, and then uh, another time I was in uh, Kingston, Jamaica, uh, robbing a financial institution there. And they had a very heavily fortified financial institution, but they had a charity organization that was across the street that was on the same network as the financial institution. So I literally went in as a TV producer that was doing, uh, who was doing a a TV show based on companies doing public good in their communities. And I wanted to feature them on it. And so I had, I got a meeting with the head of the the charity organization and I wanted to show them an episode of one of the ones we've already shot on a USB drive, plug it in, it's like, and there it was. Gone. It's like, so it is, you, and those are like weird juice cases. But I also have video of me walking in to the front door of a building uh, of a bank in Lebanon and in 15 seconds compromising the first one. It's like uh, compromising the first machine in 15 seconds. How do, you, how do you compete against that? And what I tell people is we need to start just having our users ask the question, is this normal? Should I get what's going on? And then empowering them to make them feel comfortable to say something. It's like to let them know that if they report it to security, security is not going to be jerks. Security is not going to be upset because it's a false alarm. Security is not going to get angry with them. Security doesn't look at them as a problem. Because a lot of our failings on information security have to do with information security, not with the users. The users are just not being properly educated and invested in on what their responsibilities are for the security of the company. And that's on us. And we need to improve that because when security actually takes that time to let employees know that they're part of the program, well, bad guys are going to have a really bad day. And um, and I've been on and one of my best success stories. It's like everybody wants to talk about me accidentally robbing the wrong bank in Beirut. That's nothing. I, I was not going to bring that up, I swear. I know. I know. <laughs> but you want to know, that's a, that's a great story, but I failed. That was a big failing on me because I was out of scope. I should not have been there. That was the wrong bank. It was great because after four hours, I avoided Lebanese prison. But it was not a great thing. My biggest success story, though, was in uh, January of 2020, the before times. It's like I literally, I went to this engagement and I'd been there the year before and I tore them a new one. It's like I I went through them like butter. It's like the person who hired us, they've never had a uh, a company that they've hired. They've never had them actually make it up into their floors. Uh, when the guy came out of a meeting, I was sitting at his desk 
going, hi, uh, I, uh, here's an employee badge. You may want to give it back to them. It's like, you know, it would freak them totally out, right? It freaked them out so bad. And I did report and I showed them what they could improve on. It's like that the CEO during their yearly meeting spent 15 minutes of the only one hour that he gets to actually talk to his employees, spent 15 minutes on it on security awareness and how they're responsible for information security and they're responsible for their computers and their desk and, and, and their little space. And that was amazing because I go back in 2020 and I got caught on every engagement that I do. I don't do red teaming. I do security awareness engagements. In other words, I tell the client that at some point during the engagement, I will get caught. Sometimes I have to work at getting caught, but it is always great when the clients, when the users actually catch me, because that means they're doing a good job. You want your clients to succeed. It's like this, I'm so tired of this red team, toxic masculinity of like, you know, walking in and punching people in the face and see if they got a plan. No, what we need is like, we want, we're advocates, not adversaries to our clients. We want them to do good. And this engagement without me having to try in every section, even though I was successful in every section, it didn't matter. That wasn't the thing. In every section, I got caught. Someone challenged me. Someone said no. Someone said no. Security uh, information was supposed to, uh, IT was supposed to come call me first. I didn't get an email that you were supposed to be here. You need to stay here while I call somebody every single time. That was the best success story I've ever done because that showed what I did the year before mattered. And they listened to it and I made an impact on that company. If you, and I've heard, I've literally heard red teamers actually brag about, Oh yeah, I go. I we came back the next year, and it's like, man, we popped them with the same bone, man. It's like you know, it's like it was like, oh, I was like, and I was like, oh, so you're telling me that you suck? It's like because it doesn't matter how good you are at breaking the company if you can't properly explain and express why these vulnerabilities need to be fixed to upper management. Congratulations, you wasted their money and their time because that is the only reason why they hired you. A company, every company on this planet is getting pen tested right now. They're not paying you to be pen tested. They're getting that for free. They're right. paying you for the report. They're paying you for a report and expressing in a way in descriptions on how to fix those vulnerabilities. Because the other attackers, they're just profiting from it. They're not telling them what happened. It's like they need you to tell them how to fix them and how to get these things done. And in a way that management will actually listen to it and invest in making those uh, changes. That that take is so refreshing because I think you're right. I think there t there tends to be more of a kind of um, a braggart mentality. Hey, I broke yeah. into this bank, and and I love that. So let me just kind of pull on that a little bit, right? So you you went in, and then you went back a year later. How long do you think that lasts? Do you think five years later they would still be doing the same things? I, I, my, I've seen there's an inertia. Like people right. remember and then slowly they stop. I, I think it's one of the biggest changes in a corporate environment that I've seen that just changes everything. And what I try to instill in, in companies is one simple fact. Employee responsibility. We forget that 
our users are not stupid. If you think your users are stupid, take solitaire off the computer. See how quick that mother is back, you know? They will find a way to get it back on there, okay? It's like they will find a way. I Trust me, I've seen some very unusual ways, okay? Especially when you block EXE file attachments and email. They will find a way, okay? So it's not that it's their job responsibility. And this is one of the things that we find uncomfortable and information security doesn't understand because they're dealing with, you know, the computers and not people. But an employee will do everything that is required for them by their employer to keep themselves employed, being paid, and being able to feed and clothe their loved ones and themselves and, and, and their family. If we don't make security part of what those job responsibilities that keeps them employed, why do they give up? Why? And, and that's the problem. That's security and management's problem. If I hire a delivery driver on the first day of the job, do I give the delivery driver the keys going like, oh, you're okay. It's like you, you got a driver's license. We hired you. Just take the keys. Here's your route. No, no, you don't know because that's $60,000 van that, you know, that costs money. So you make sure that they understand that they have to use the turn signals. They have to use their seatbelt, that you have monitoring equipment in the van. They have to follow certain paths. They got to be careful and, and be aware when they're driving on the road because there could be unwise, uh, bad elements trying to divert them. Someone trying to steal from the back of their van. They have to be careful. Of, of where they go. They have to make sure their vans are locked when they leave them unattended. It's like, and if a van driver gets in a wreck, oh, that is not good at all. How many times can a delivery driver total a company van and still think to be employed by that company? Maybe, Maybe one. once. <laughs> Maybe once. But we give, and that van is equipment. And this is where the key thing is for companies need to start understanding and explaining to their employees that computer is equipment, just like that van is, except for there's a big difference. When a driver totals a van, it costs a company $60,000. When an employee clicks on a phishing email, it can cost a company $350 million. Ask Target. It's like, it's like so that's the key. That is the key point. You, the employees need to know that that laptop is equipment and it is company equipment. And part of their job responsibility is not just to make sure it doesn't get stolen or misplaced, but that all the business being done on that computer is being done securely and properly. It's like if you go to an unauthorized website, you know, it's like an X-rated website. You expect repercussions. Why aren't you expected to get repercussions for clicking on a suspicious email or not properly uh, responding to it or reporting it to security once you've accidentally clicked on it? So once we start showing them, they got to be responsible and they will get in trouble for this. When we first started doing laptops at this bank that I used to work at, we had a problem with people losing laptops, not paying attention to them. You know what I told the, the, the CEO of the company in this management meeting and, and made everybody and everybody got upset at me when I said it. I said, we need to start charging them. And, and the, the CEO, what are you talking about? And I was like, 
if an employee loses a badge, they have to pay $25 to get their badge replaced. My theory is we need to institute, whenever someone loses a laptop, they have to pay $200 and gets automatically deducted out of their check. It doesn't cover the cost of the laptop, but it's an ouch. It's something they're going to feel. And the CEO was like, I like that. Guess how many laptops we got We got lost and stolen after that? A lot less. <laughs> yeah, I think only one or so for about a year. It's like, it, because people realized, oh, I'm now responsible for this. Once you get employees to understand that they are responsible for the security of the device, not just their other job description, not just their other roles, but also for the security of the device, they start doing better. And that stays. That does not go away. That does not uh, end in five years because in five years, it just gets stronger because that environment gets reinforced every year. Because every year there's going to be an incident, I'm sure, where someone doesn't do that and they get penalized for it. And then that makes a lesson for everybody else. That's interesting. I, you know, you know, before before coming to, to Black Tide, I spent a lot of time at Gartner. And we used to talk a lot about accountability and responsibility and people getting in trouble. And the response we generally got was, yeah, we couldn't get away with that. But I think because you're literally in front of these folks, I think that gives you an additional level of, of I don't want to say power, but I, I think uh, authority. And actually, I think that's a really interesting way to look at it, right? We're not going to make you pay for the laptop, but we are going to hit you in your in your pocketbooks. Right. And I think what's super interesting about that is one of the challenges uh, and a mutual friend of ours uh, from DEF CON, uh, Mr. Proctor, um, you know, he's been doing a lot of stuff with making the connection between business and, and security and risk. And it, it's a right. challenge in a lot of organizations because everybody's pointing fingers. I mean, I, I had a call with uh, a, a prospect yesterday and um, he runs third-party risk management for a company. And he said, well, I've never seen companies do anything different because of third-party risk management findings, so I don't think it's important. Now, I disagree, uh, right. and I, I, I actually spoke with our sales manager because he listened to the recording, and I'm like, was I a little aggressive? And he said, a little bit. And I'm like, yeah. because it's so frustrating, right? Like I, just, I sometimes want to reach through the computer and grab people by their, by their lapels. And here's the thing. It's to everyone's benefit, right? If the company gets hit with a hack and they go out of business or they're fined, you know, $100 million or, you know, you mentioned Target, you know, we can look at some other ones where it got up even into the billions. Everybody suffers indirectly, right? Because bonuses go down. You don't get raised. Yeah. So it's, um, I, I like that, that way of, uh, of, of approaching that. So what, what, one, of the things, one of the things that I think that we fail at as an industry is that we try to make it technical. We try to talk about the logistics and the logic behind our people don't need to know. I drive a car all the time, right? It's like, trust me, I got the tickets to prove it. I got a Chevy uh, Camaro convertible. It's like, I love to ask me where the carburetor is. Put a gun to my head and ask me where it is. I couldn't do anything about it. It's like, I can. I think I can program the radios if I'm really under duress and you're making me try to do something. I can. I can probably program a radio on the on the console. Uh, I use CarPlay, so it's like I don't really. I, I'm. I'm not even sure I can do that. 
It's like, and I can put gas in it. I can't put oil in it. I can put my gas in it. Does that make me an idiot? Am I stupid? No, because the car does it what I want it to do. There's a lot of things that make that car do what it needs to do. I don't need to know all that. I just need to do with what I need to do. We need to start talking to users, not from a technical standpoint, but from in ways and in analogies and ways that they can understand because they don't, they're not stupid if they don't know how to work a computer. The computer needs to do what it needs to do for them, but they need to re- know that part of their job, like if they can't leave the doors unlocked in the office when they leave for the night, they don't leave their car doors unlocked when they go to the gas station, they can't leave their workstation unlocked. It's like when they, they get up uh, for, to go to lunch. They need to understand in a way that you can explain, like, if I get a suspicious email and I click on that email and it does something weird and funky, security already knows that that's going to happen. It, but if we know about it in five minutes versus in five months, that depends on the, the, the company still being around. And so you need to let the company know, let the employees know being breached is inevitable. What's going to save a company nowadays is not the defenses. We tried putting up walls and, you know, making the APTs pay for it and trying to build bigger defenses and stuff. That's not going to work anymore. We need to start understanding that what makes a company still solvent is how quickly can you detect a breach? How effectively do you respond? That is what's key now. It's not about being breached. It's about how quickly you can respond to it. And that's what's so great about when I uh, was breaking in and I got caught because that was a five-minute breach versus a five-month breach. It's like, so as quickly as they can respond. So you tell them, it's like, hey, the first time you click on a spear phishing email, man, no harm, no foul. But as long as you tell us so we can respond to it, so we can isolate your machine. It's like, and you, and you can educate them and you show them and you show them how not to do it again. But do you have an email uh, or uh, that you, they can forward suspicious emails to? Do you have a button that even Microsoft gives you in, in the Outlook thing that you can use to say, hey, suspicious email? Do you have an extension number that an employee knows to call when they see someone suspicious or see something unusual that they can call? Because if you don't have those, you can't complain when you're getting breached. Because you're not giving the employees the tools to make the secure decisions. It's right. like, you're not, you're I, not I setting them up to be successful. Yeah. Exactly. I, I robbed the bank I, in Amman, Jordan with a lady who didn't know who to call. And the whole time I was agreeing with her that she should call somebody while I was robbing her. But she didn't know who to call. You know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because what you just talked about is Wynn's old thing about time-based security, right? And I love that. And I actually ran into him in San Francisco um, uh, at RSA. And um, he, I, br- I bring it up every time I see him and he goes, oh, that old thing. But he, you know, that it's basic, right? It's, it's so much of this stuff is just basic and dare I say, common sense. And, and I, and I love, I love the fact that you know, as a, as a pen tester who's, you know, gotten in all kinds of crazy places, you're not talking to any of that stuff, right? You're talking about no. how do we get better? And, and that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons why I left Gartner to come here. I feel like I can make more of a difference here, right? At Gartner, I was telling people, oh, you should do this. 
And if it didn't work, I go, oh, you didn't do it the right way, right? But now, you know, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, right? We're working on a product that actually helps make the world safer. And I love that. And I, I close all my blogs, which stay safe, stay healthy, and stay secure. And that safety thing, I think, is so, so important. I love that. So question for you. So you got all this cool uh, DEF CON stuff behind you. What's your favorite thing? What's your most prized challenge coin or badge? Like, what do you prize more than anything else? Uh, that is a good question. From hacking conferences, what's one of the... Yeah. Uh, it's very funny because I got a lot of physical stuff. It's like, I, I don't really... Uh, I would say one of the... Um, wow, that, that threw me for a loop. Uh, there, there's a lot of good memories from there. Um, I think one of the most important, I think it was just the, um, it's not tangible for me. It's like, I, I would say uh, to me, uh, these, I have uh, object permanence issues. Uh, so it's like, things. so people understand, they see all this clutter and they don't realize that I also have a very bad soundtrack in my head telling me about how worthless and horrible I am and stupid and I don't know anything. So I need to see little reminders like, oh, wait, I did that. I went there. It's like, and so that's what all that's for is just to help me, you know, not forget <laughs> that I'm an idiot. Uh, it's like, but um, I think um, what uh, DEF CON is like gave me the most was um i know this sounds corny but was acceptance it's like it, it wasn't uh a tangible like oh here's a new shiny badge i've got the andor x or badge i got the 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 goon badge i've got these other badges and uh, i got like uh all different kinds of swag and stickers no it gave me acceptance it's like uh i came from uh i used to be homeless it's like uh when i was around 16 um, my uh, childhood was, you know, against the Geneva Conventions, uh, survived all uh, all different kinds of childhood trauma, uh, like the whole gamut. I, I got like I collected the whole bingo card and uh, but I survived it. But I never had a family. It's like even when I was young, it's like I don't talk to hardly any of my family members, not except for one. And, and that's infrequently. It's like but what DEFCON gave me that people don't really understand, because if we throw this word around, you know, like family. It's like, but to be honest with you, that is what it was. It's like, that's what I got that's not going to be on these walls. It's like, because it's here, is they gave me acceptance. They Because when I first showed up at DEF CON 12, I was an idiot. I'm not, and I'm not saying that to be self-deprecating. I'm saying I was stupid. I spray painted my hair blue. I thought this is what it was supposed to be to be a hacker. I was a scene kid. I was a script kid. I was just the the stereotypical thing of not what to do. It's like, but you know what? I've learned major malfunctions still talk to me, even though he was this huge speaker, like this great goon, this one, and he still took time to listen to this weird kid that just didn't know what to do. And it's like, and was going about everything the wrong way. FX from the Phenolit crew, same thing, talked to me. And, and and tried to help me and stuff, you know, learn DEF CON 13, I didn't do much better. <laughs> okay. But then I started learning 
what it meant to be there, what it meant to be a hacker, not what it meant to look like one, but what it meant to be one. And it's like, and that's when I discovered my family. I will tell you this is like, um, I've lost family members. You know, it's like the worst one was uh, my dad. It's like uh, in 2005. But if you ask me, it's like when it comes to loss, it's like when I lost Kaminsky, it's like, and yeah, when I was lost, awful. and when I lost the nurse, and it's like, and when I lost those hit just the same way because I didn't, I lost family. It's like uh, LeBay, when he, he, he hit, when he, uh, he was lost uh, just recently, those hit because, and, and it was just so weird because it's like those were more than it's like, because there are some family members, it's like, you know, if they go away, I'm like, whatever. It's like, I, I don't care. But they, they mattered. And so that's what Def Con want. And people want to call me a fanboy. And I'm like, yes, I am a fanboy. You're trying to insult me with that. And I'm like, I'm owning it, mother. You know, I am a fanboy. It's like, because that's where I, I got a home. It's like, and that's where I got a family. So say what you will about it. It's like, and so, and talk about the scenes. But it showed that everybody belongs in that community. It's like, I, I hate this whole concept of gatekeeping and stuff, you know, because I'm always like, dude, we're hackers at the gate. Go over the fence, go under the fence. The fence is like the spoon. It doesn't exist. It's like, just keep going. And, and, and so um, that's what I liked about DEF CON because it gives you that from all those different angles. And there's so many other conferences that are like that. So um, this whole house could burn up and it's like, and I could lose all these things and that would be sad, but it doesn't hold a lot of weight for me to do that because I, once again, object permanence, because I still have this. It's like, I still have the thoughts and the memories and the moments. And I will collect other memories that help me remember the times that I had. It's like, but uh, so it, so the, the stuff doesn't really that much. It looks like it matters a lot. It's really weird because I collect a lot of stuff, but at the same time, I don't really have a, a permanence on because I've lost like special keychains or special items along my travels. And I'm like, well, that's sad. But then I hope the person who finds it enjoys it and stuff, you know, right. and, and they, they have a happy find. I lost, uh, in 2020, I lost a uh, silver neck uh, bracelet I got in Cambodia of like these little two dragons. I loved it. It was one of my favorite bracelets. And I lost it in Norway uh, at, in January, in February 2020, uh, which is horrible. Uh, it was a horrible start to a horrible, you know, decade uh, because, you know, and I'm just talking about the year 2020, uh, that decade. Uh, it's like, but um, it was gone and that's okay. It's like I, I found others and I got other bracelets. So it's like it's um, I think that's the biggest thing. I just went off on a whole other change. So no, that's OK. I, <laughs> I love that, man, because I I agree with you. I got I got all kinds of challenge coins and badges and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, my favorite DEF CON memory was having a scotch with Theodore, the guy yeah. that invented NMAP, right? He's yeah, like a superstar amazing, yeah. and he was so and I was not that I was a kid, but I was a kid in that scene. You know, right. I didn't start going to DEFCON until I was in my 30s, right? right? And he was just such a normal guy. And Kaminsky loved that dude. And I and I remember being at some horrible party. And the only reason I stayed is because Nurse was hanging out with me. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. So, all right, Jason, I, this was awesome, man. I had a great time. We haven't seen each other in a couple of years. Hopefully we will, we'll be out there together this year. I think I'm going to try to make it, uh, last year I bailed because we were leaving for Africa the morning after. And my wife said, if I wasn't wasn't home on time, I wasn't married anymore. So I said, I don't think I'm going to stay home. Uh, so some closing thoughts. So, um, Jason takes a untraditional approach to looking at villains in movies, which I love. Um, Jason believes that a pen tester who fails is better than a pen tester that succeeds, and that the goal of security should be making sure that people do more of the right things and less of the wrong ones. Anything we missed? Um, just, um, I think there's a, there's a lot of things that we can be in this world. It's like, but being kind is the most important. It's like, I think that's one of the things that will serve most people well. It's just when you have that option in front of you in a situation where the other person is difficult or the other, or the other situation is, is tough, just remember that's always an option is, is to be kind. It's like, that's not the weakness. That's sometimes it's the strongest. I, I struggled a lot when I was young. I got into a lot of fights. I, I had, a, you know, I was in a lot of scrapes. I was not a great person back then, but I've made the choice from being hard and being angry and being to being kind and 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 that has served me better it's like and it's like and people maybe take advantage of you sometimes but that's on them your option should always to be kind because it's like what they do with it is not your concern it's what you matter with and that is you know and that's what i think more information security needs is more being kind to the users being kind to the executives that are making these decisions and understanding that it's not just the negativity, but it's more of like, we need to be more understanding. It's like everybody's dealing with problems that we're never going to know about. It's like, uh, and if just that breath that we want sometimes, we should also be able to offer it to others. Love it. I agree. I tell people all the time, I, my goal every day is to try to make the world a happier, better place than it was the day before. And I frequently fail at that, but I come back yeah. every day and try again. All right, Jason, it was great to see you again. Um, Love you like a brother. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on Risk and Reels. And it sounds like you got a bunch of other stuff. We'll have you back in the future. uh, And hopefully we'll see each other soon. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay secure. Cheers, everyone. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Risk and Reels, a cybersecurity podcast. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to riveting 30-minute conversation about movies and cybersecurity. Jeffrey will be on the road this year at some of the industry's biggest events, but you can always find him on LinkedIn and Twitter at Jeffrey Wheaton. This podcast is powered by Blackheight the only security rating service to deliver the highest quality intelligence to help organizations make better risk decisions.